we're in this together. You know, we're a team. Let's have some accountability for fathers and for husbands and for dads. That part, as I've gotten older, really shocks me. Like I, I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh my God, like that is what we're going to say is somebody sort of taking the next step when that, that should be expected of them. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now, here's your host, Art Eddie. This episode of the Art of Fatherhood podcast is being brought to you by Sabre. This holiday season, give your family the gift of safety and you will gift yourself peace of mind. Sabre is the number one brand trusted by law enforcement and consumers worldwide. They empower generations with a deep range of personal safety product solutions designed with you in mind to keep you and your loved ones safe. Sabre offers a variety of personal safety products that include innovative features designed with you and your family's safety in mind. Parents can carry on knowing that their loved ones are safe carrying Sabre. From pepper gel to personal alarms, to many other great products that Sabre offers, make sure you go to their website at saberred.com. That's saberred.com. Not only do they have equipment to keep your family safe, if you follow them on social media, they give a lot of safety tips and they share personal stories about how using Sabre products makes them feel safe and also gives them peace of mind when they're just enjoying life. So if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift for you and your family, make sure you go to saberred.com holiday. They have holiday safety bundles. They have great stocking stuffers. And if you're not sure what to get your family or friends, they have a holiday gift guide that is perfect for everybody on your list. So make sure you go to saberred.com holiday. That's saberred.com holiday. What's going on, everybody? Artie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very lucky to have this gentleman talk about fatherhood, ESPN, baseball, all that good stuff. It's none other than Carl Ravitz. Thanks for taking the time, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, Art. I mean, I feel bad. You look behind me and you see nothing. I look behind you and I wouldn't even know where to begin. <laughs> well, you got all that good stuff at work. You're probably just chilling at home. Again, we're kind of recording this right before Thanksgiving. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Before we get into your great work at ESPN, let's talk about fatherhood, man. When you found out you were going to be a dad, what was going through your mind, sir? Boy, that's that's a long time ago. Um, you know, we got kids that were born in 1995 and 2000, so that's a long time ago. Um, you know, I imagine it was I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I felt like I was I was brought up in a in a great environment with a father and a mother um, in Massachusetts, a little suburb outside of Boston. So I was, uh, I think I was, I was looking forward to that relationship and I undervalued what it was going to become. It is, uh, you know, that, that part of life to me, and especially those formative years were some of the most memorable. I just, I always wanted to be around. I wanted to be involved, whether it was reading, taking baths, taking them to the doctors, uh, you know, throwing a ball, having them walk behind me with a plastic lawnmower while I was cutting the grass, whatever it may be. That's a role that I that I really enjoy, take very seriously, know that it's, it's changed. I mean, it is one thing about fatherhood, you know, when, when you're changing a diaper, it's one thing. And, and then when you're teaching them how to drive, it's another. And then when you're picking them up from a party and they're they're sick and there's girl issues, and then they're trying to sneak around and do something like every, every you know, sort of couple of years, the problems the challenges, uh, the joys, they're, they're always different, but but they keep coming. <laughs> no doubt. It's funny you mentioned the driving aspect. I got two daughters, 15 and 13 right now, and 
it, it's crazy. I'm teaching my 15 year old how to drive. And it's just, you know, I always, I, I was harking back. I even asked my dad, I'm like, how many hours did we have to put in? What was going on with that? And he was like, I don't know. We kind of just drove around here and there. And then you took the test and it was good. I'm like, it's totally different now. <laughs> I remember trying to learn on a stick shift car, right? We, we had one of each and that was an, I, you know, I got, I give my dad so much credit for his patience that that was an abject disaster. You know, am I using the right foot on both of these? Why, when I pull off of this left side, is the car starting to buckle? Do I rev the engine? How the hell in the world do I get uphill? I'm, there's no chance. I'm, I'm rolling all the way back into a bus. I don't understand any of this, but yeah, that, uh, that was a hell of a hell of a lesson and incredible patience because you're not on, you know, you're on their car. It's not like they own the car, the kids it's, it's your parents' car. Usually that you're, that you're ruining. <laughs> no doubt. So talk a little bit about the values you were looking to instill into your sons as they were growing up. Well, it's, you know, what the ones that we're trying to instill and the ones that stick are sometimes two different ones. Um, certainly one, you know, one of them is to be accountable, be responsible, um, work hard. Uh, don't, you know, don't, don't expect things. So I, I think, you know, my, my, my observation of kids now and in speaking to, you know, women and men our age and whether they're coaches or managers, um, you know, I, I I do believe there's a different sense of entitlement. And one of the things I remember, Art, and have had to explain to my kids, and one of them is in the same career I am. Sam is doing the same thing I'm doing at ESPN. Um, I think a lot of this younger generation, and I don't recall doing this, but I think a lot of it, they, they look at like, well, whatever you're doing, how come I can't do that now? You know, they kind of forget. or It's not that they forget. They never saw you know, the, the steps that, that were taken to get wherever you are in life, whether you're, you know, on ESPN or you're a professor or you're a pilot, they miss the small steps and they see the end result. And I appreciate that they'd like to emulate that, but you're, you're missing the journey. And the journey is, is what makes, you know, part of the end of the road so much more rewarding and enjoyable and, you can walk around feeling pretty proud of where you're at and what you've accomplished, but you work your ass off and they never see that part. <laughs> no doubt. And that's why one of the things I like watching with my kids is sports documentaries, because you might see Jordan with the six rings or anybody who has excelled in whatever, you know, sport uh, that they're in, but you, they don't show you the hard work. It's not like you're watching what they do on Sundays. If you're like watching football or throughout the week of baseball or hockey, or whatever, but you don't see the time that they're putting in. And so when you actually see like, well, I had to do this, like Larry Bird was in the, you know, or Steph Curry, I'll like date myself, but Steph Curry, he's in the uh, you can stick with Bird. He, he, all right, I'm good with Bird. I, <laughs> I have two, I have two signed articles. One is Bobby Orr's jersey and the other is Larry Bird's jersey. I mean, awesome. I'm, a, I'm a New England guy. So those are the two. So you can, you can run the Larry Bird analogy. I'm good with that. But just the idea of him just being in the gym and shooting and shooting and shooting, yeah. you didn't see that. You only see him hitting the game winning three, talking a little trash to the other team and walking out and be like, yeah, we knew we were going to win. So yeah. that's, yeah. And also too, like everybody nowadays, like, you know, if I talk to musicians and they'll be like, yeah, it's totally different landscape because you can just go on YouTube and people can see your music. And mm -hmm. then they'll be like, yeah, you know, maybe a, a record company will sign them because they got so many likes or so many followers. Yeah. But back then it was like, you play my, like you go to a radio station, play my song, play my song, play my song. And they're like, right. sorry. So yeah, there's a lot of like, 
the the means to the end sometimes gets lost in the society, right? But I, and I would say this, even for that generation that has the access through social media, et cetera, there's still hard work that they put in to, to get there to produce whatever it is they're getting other people to see. Um, just things aren't handed to you, generally. Uh, two more questions before we get into uh, baseball and ESPN, the great work you do over there. Talk a little bit about something that your kids have either taught you about yourself or about life that you didn't know was there until you became a dad. <laughs> but I look, there was a great Nolan Ryan documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a great Nolan Ryan documentary out there. And what was what I found to be so wonderful about that is, you know, you hear from from Randy Johnson and Maddox and just you hear from all the great pitchers that pitched against him and hitters that hit against him. But when they dive into interviewing his family and his grandchildren, and they're, they're able to kind of make fun of some of the things that Nolan Ryan did and the commercials and the, and the Advil or whatever the, the pain medication that he took. Um, and to see him kind of laugh at himself, I, you know, I think that's, that's probably one of the things that I really appreciate. I can see my wife and my boys making fun of the way I make coffee. Like I make coffee or I like, I like coffee that tastes like vanilla ice. That tastes like coffee ice cream. I like it light. I like it sweet. And, and when I make that, you know, I make a pot and I usually make way too much. And then my kids would pour it into their cup and they'd look at it like, what is this water? Like, why are you, what is this? I got, and, and I love that they make fun of me for doing that. So that, that part of it is as we, as I get older, you know, I'm 58, I, I like the idea that, the walk on water dad never makes mistakes he's a hard ass we actually we can make we can have some fun with him we can make light of the way you know that he is and i'm certainly comfortable enough to know i'm an easy target you can, there's a lot of things that i do that that people can you know my kids can poke fun at i'm good with that same here you're preaching to the choir sir yeah there's certain things i'll do or say and i'm just like and also too like they'll laugh if i come like it's funny. Once you become a dad, there's certain things that you never thought about. Then you're, especially your dad, you, know, you said you're growing up with both parents, but like, you probably noticed your dad being like, why are there all these lights on in the room when no one's down here? <laughs> I started doing that. And I started laughing at myself and my daughter's like, like, you, like they called my, uh, they call my yeah. dad Bebop. Yeah. Like, like Bebop, yeah. you talk like Bebop. I'm like, yeah, I am. So it's just funny how you saw, you mentioned like, it's funny how we're an easy target. I love it. Well, the whole advertising campaign about not becoming your parents. I mean, it's one of the greatest advertising campaigns of all time. Then um, it's, you know, again, my dad, thankfully, is still alive. But, you know, he's dealing with the things that people who get up there in age deal with. And, you know, you recognize eventually that's going to be me. And it's not something you make fun of. But you do realize, like, you you, you ultimately have to become those people. You get old. Like, you can't cheat time. That That's coming, you know. And you can be in good shape and all that. But eventually... As a as a orthopedic surgeon told my wife and I, as she's getting ready to have her hip replaced, <laughs> we're all breaking down, which is like the last <laughs> thing you want a orthopedic surgeon to sit in a room and say. Here's the news: we're all breaking down. You know? All right, great. Looking forward. Thanks very much. I'm going to go out and walk now. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> talk about something like a, for a dad hack or piece of advice you'd offer to new dads. What would it be? You, you know, um, I've come up with this thing that that that. It, it rubs me in, in a lot of ways, but I, I've heard from so many women in particular, and, and it's not hearing directly from them, it's overhearing the way that they speak with my wife, this concept of what, I've, what I deem the low bar compliment, it's an LBC, like I, I can't stand low bar compliments. And it, it, it bothers me that men in general, not all, but men in general, when when they hold a door 
you know, when they lift a suitcase for somebody, when they are polite, the, the shock and awe that is that is sort of displayed by so many observers. Like, really? Like that? So we're going to give a low bar compliment because somebody held the door for you because somebody emptied the dishwasher. Somebody your, your husband drove you to the doctor's office. Yeah, boy, that's so thoughtful. Or they look and they'll tell my wife. I can't believe that he comes home from a road trip and he's out doing yard work. Like that's low bar compliment. I'm sorry. Well, that's LBC. Like we're, we're in this together. You know, we're a team though. Let's have some accountability for fathers and for husbands and for dads. And that, that, that part as I've gotten older really shocks me. Like I I'm listening to it and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, that is what we're going to say is somebody sort of taking the next step when that, that should be expected of them personally. LBC. I love it. Especially kind of going with the, you know, baseball terminology. I love it. There's, <laughs> um, there's a organization called the national at home dad organization. And they have a shirt that says dads don't babysit. Cause this is the idea. Like, like you'll hear dads like, I got to babysit my kids. My wife is going out of town or something like that. And they're like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you no. Just the idea. Of watching, you like, are the dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Changing, like, oh, he changed the diaper. Like the LBC man. Low bar compliment. Out. LBC, stop it. <laughs> so good. So, like I said, I'm a big fan of your work on all fronts and everything you do, not just baseball, but everything on ESPN. You covered the winter meetings. You know, obviously, the upcoming schedule for the MLB is going to be coming out soon too. Taking the broadcaster hat off and just putting on the baseball hat uh, hat on first. What are you most excited? about those, you know, winter meetings and all that, because, you know, I feel like nowadays 24 seven sports, all the different platforms, all the different major sports are like 24 seven, but I felt like winter stove was like the very, or the winter meetings, like those were the ones for baseball was the first sport that people cared about that sport when it wasn't going on. So for you, as you, yeah. as you looked for the baseball news, what are you most excited for each year, year in and out? Yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about Shohei Otani and what what's going to happen with him. But I, I just think globally, since I I cover college basketball and we see the 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 portal in college sports um, every year, the college turnover is incredible. You know, I do the SEC, Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama, Arkansas. You, you could be great one year, you could be great the next year, and that team may have nothing to do, more than likely, nothing to do with the team that just left. The University of Connecticut, the Huskies won the championship last year. I just did their game uh, at the Garden and their tournament. And, you know, they have two starters back from last year's championship team. They have a couple of transfers who are tremendous. Uh, they have a bunch of kids that didn't play last year. So uh, on that level, that sport changes all the time. In baseball, the good news, Art, is I, I think the sport, I believe, took a huge step forward this year with their rule changes. It's a way better game. And, you know, I was one of those who was at the top of the tree screaming, look, if we have to play seven innings like we did during the pandemic, I'm good with it. Yeah. These games are too long. You talk about being a father, you realize your, your sons or daughters, zero attention span to sit there for three hours. It ain't going to happen. So you better make what they're watching exciting and you better make it, make it start and end quicker than you're doing it. And they did that. Um, so in that sense, it's a very cool thing to be affiliated with baseball right now, because it's, it's fixed itself a little bit. It looked in the mirror and said, good God, you know, there's some, there's some times you, you watch people walk down the street and you ask yourselves, 
So you looked in the mirror and said, this look works. And you went outside <laughs> looking like that. Like at least baseball was smart enough to look in the mirror and say, this is not good. We got to change this. And, and they did. And that's, you know, that part's really encouraging. So, you know, the Otani things individual, we had a real, we had a bunch of good teams last year. The Rangers won a world series. The Cubs are much better. The Dodgers and Red Sox and Yankees and Mets didn't play great. And as a result, you think they're going to try to get better, which is exciting. So there's more teams that I think are better. There's a huge Otani factor out there. Um, and the game itself, the foundation is rooted solidly. And that's most important. Baseball got a, a hip replacement is what you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly right. That's right. They got a hip. They, they replaced a lot more than just a hip, but the foundation is good. No, like you, you, you seamlessly went into my next question just because this year, this past year, like I've been watching so much more baseball than I have in like 10 years collectively. I'm a Red Sox fan, but as like, I loved, like we're living in Jersey at the time. And like when I used to live in New Hampshire, it was all like, Oh, Nesson watching the games, ESPN, all that good right. stuff when you got to right. showcase the games, but especially the Yankees. <laughs> and when you became a dad, you're like, I can't stay till midnight watching this game. When it started at seven, you have a kid that's going to be waking up soon. So totally get that. And I love the fact that what you guys did for that father's day game too, where you had that, touching talk about you know the outfielder being like yeah i really wasn't a fan of this team like my parents you know were both sides because they were growing up in connecticut and all that i love that yeah. so the more human touches i guess from the game is is fantastic well that story just to quickly that's the story behind that guy you know you know, probably don't remember the details and i wouldn't blame you but the, the guy that came up in the booth was named jim king his son was the pitcher for the yankees and and jim and i used to work together in binghamton new york he was a news anchor and i was the sports anchor so i i i know when mike i was there when mike was born i was at the king's wedding his mom and dad fantastic people you talk about a good dad we were doing the Little League World Series in Williamsport, and Jim called me up, and his son, Mike, was a high schooler. And uh, he said, Do you, you know, I'd like to drive up there if there's any chance I can get Mike in front of Oral Hershiser, who I was working with at the time. You know, it would be amazing just to talk with him. I'm, I'm willing to get in the car and drive six hours with Mike because we think this will be valuable. And to his credit, uh, Oral spent – you know, a, a good chunk of time with them. They talked about pitching. Jim recorded it all on his phone. You know, that was not that long ago that we didn't have phones that you could record on. So he recorded it on his phone. Um, and obviously Mike's become a tremendous pitcher. He's a wonderful guy. And um, yeah, so that that's what led to the father-son thing. And I, I, I appreciate you remembering that. But it was a, it was close to my heart too, because I love the, I love the two of them and then they were able to come on. But yeah, I, I'm a... I'm a, a Red Sox guy myself, having grown up there. But people ask me, who do you root for? And I, like you said, you know, you can't stay up after midnight. I root for two things now. I root for time zones and temperatures. I, I'd like to be <laughs> on a West. I'd like to be where it's warm and I'll be happy if it's a West Coast game that starts at five instead of at eight. I'm good with that. Love it. Nice. So, you know, you mentioned also too, your son got into uh, your profession as well. What advice did you give him? It's almost kind of like, you know, you see, uh, obviously a different time period and all that and the different forms of technology. But for you, yeah. what was like the biggest piece of advice you kind of gave to him? Or did you be like, no, well, I, you want to care for them. But as, as we know, like you can't be a helicopter parent, but what was something that you said as he was getting into this industry? Yeah. I, you know, I think first and foremost, it's patience. Um, you know, I, I, I have, I had a Rolodex full uh, yellow pages. I know people who may watch this don't know what the hell the yellow pages are, but we used to prior to, uh, you know, prior to cell phones have phone books. And, you know, the phone book I had was, was about 
I don't know, 12 to 14 inches thick of rejection letters. You know, as I was trying to move through this uh, career field, I had rejection letters left and right from places like New Hampshire and Maine uh, and Mass Springfield, Massachusetts and other places. Um, so it's patience because ultimately, you know, while you may look back then at the resume tape that you sent out was like hitting a golf ball into a lake. Like it's sinking to the bottom. I mean, I'm not going to see this again, but all it takes is one good shot. It just takes one person to say, you know what? I kind of like this guy. Let's bring him in here. Let's, let's talk with him. Let's see what he's about. So it's, it's, it's patience, um, you know, and it's be authentic, be yourself. That one thing I've learned by being at ESPN for so long, it's 30, 30 years now is I've seen so many incredibly talented, you know, men and women, and many of them had their, you know, they all had their own style, but I remember so many younger people wanted to emulate Chris Berman or Stuart Scott, you know, or Rich Eisen or, or, or who or Craig Kilborn, whoever it may be, Linda Cohn, the, the list goes forever um, to, to try not to do that. You know, there's one Mike Tirico, there's one Chris Fowler, be, be, be Sam Ravage. That, that's, that'd be my advice to everybody. Don't try to be, you know, Steve, don't try to emulate Stephen A. Smith. That that's who he is. You know, <laughs> just let let that go and don't be him. Scott Van Pelt, he's unbelievable, but don't try to be him because nobody's going to be better at it than that guy. That's that's who he is. Being in radio and just seeing like the the competition and the levels that everything you know have being in a background in radio, like you said, for the time that you've been in ESPN and been a staple there, I gotta say just. I understand the blood, sweat, and tears, maybe not everything, but just the idea how long, you know, you've been at the top being there. So kudos to you for that. And you mentioned other talented people, Buster Only, Jessica Mendoza, Tim Kirchin, all yeah. those people that and I can, the list goes on that you work with. But I'm just wondering, like, behind the scenes, when you guys are traveling here and there, do you guys have kind of like continuing like conversations or debates throughout the year? Like what is that kind of like camaraderie like when you guys are going to different places? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I would say that my best friend at ESPN is probably Tim Kirkshin. And um, he, he and I have our own language. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he walks into a room. Um, and, and the language, while it's our own, it certainly involves the baseball family because they're all exposed to whatever he and I are doing. And Eduardo Perez is another part of that group. I mean, he, he's part of that long-term friendship. And David Cohn, to his credit, has adapted and adjusted to some of the lunacy, um, you know, and in a, in a really good way, Art, you yeah. know, we're all a little bit nutty. I mean, you kind of have to be, you're up all night, you're following sports, you're getting to the airport, you know, hours before a flight, you're, you're not getting any sleep, you're eating together. Um, you know, but like, like Tim would, Tim would walk into a room and we'd look at him and instead of saying hello, we would just say, Oh, God. you know, there's this noise that you make. And he would say the same thing. And everybody, it, it comes to the point where everybody kind of speaks this weird language. You know, he walks in and everybody says, Oh, like Tim's here. It's a, it's not a knock. It's just the word. It's just, it's just the sound that you make. So all of those things go forever. And, you know, one, one beautiful part of these cell phones is, is you don't have to be face to face and you don't even have to talk, but you can text out a word or uh, an emoji or some video, which like, like you said about Larry Bird, um, you know, there's this great follow on X now. I think it's Super 70 Sports. I think yes, that's what it's called. Yes, yes. So, yep. so it's great. So we, we're, we're driving from, 
Dallas to Houston, it's Eduardo and me and Tim, and we're in the front seat, me and Eduardo. And Tim is just hurling hypotheticals at us from the back seat. Um, and apparently one of the things that Super 70 Sports put out recently was this idea that on Gilligan's Island, you remember the, the debate amongst you know men was who's prettier, Ginger or Marianne. And then I think on Super 70 Sports, he sort of brought up the idea that Mrs. Howell wasn't a bad third option, but nobody ever really talked about her that way. So Tim's in the back sort of reminding us about this X tweet about Thurston, about Lovey. <laughs> so th those are the types of conversations, you know, and, and hypotheticals, you know, what's the one food that you don't like that everybody likes? What's the one movie that you like that, that no one else likes? What movie did you not understand that everybody puts on a pedestal? You know, that, that, that type of stuff was, uh, is, is the stuff that, that that relationships are made of. And it's, uh, you know, as you know, you work so closely with people, they do become family. You know, you really, you really do appreciate respect and love them. It's really a neat thing. Love it. Uh, one more question before the father quick five being here now in North Carolina, a lot of people are saying like they would love to see just friends and, you know, just talking about sports and stuff. They would love to see, I've got, I mean, got the Durham bulls. You got some also affiliates, yeah. like mud cats and stuff. A lot of people saying like we would love to see a major league baseball team come to you know uh, North Carolina. Yeah, there's been talks here and there. Do you ever think that we will get like two more teams in the near future or no? No, I think there, oh I think expansion will be there. Um, you know if I were to if I were to be asked where I think probably Nashville Tennessee is has been really rooted in it. The Carolinas certainly have been discussed. I, I think there's some momentum for a team in another team in Canada whether it's in Montreal or somewhere else, I think they'd like one in that, in that time zone. Um, but again, you know, it's funny covering college baseball and doing the college world series for a long time. The interesting part about Nashville is it's so associated with Vanderbilt, you know, Chapel Hill is associated with North Carolina and Durham is, you know, in Duke. So some of these college towns that then bring these professional sports teams, like, you know, you think about New York and while they have, especially the city, they have, they have great colleges. It's known for its professional sports. So I think, and I really appreciate the uniqueness of a town like Nashville or Knoxville for the university. And then that goes for, you know, for Lexington, Kentucky, et cetera. Like that's, that's what, that's a huge relationship that the fan base has with the university. And my God, I mean, colleges figured it out, you know, from day one, you're getting new kids every year. Your fan base is only growing. The same guys that were jumping behind the college game day set are now watching their kids do it. I mean, it's, a, it's amazing about the way that college sports refreshes itself because of freshmen coming in every year. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. So wherever they expand going into those college sort of areas while they're, you know, not, not uh, making the mistake, there are some challenges in doing that. Like Las Vegas is, is obviously a place where baseball is, you know, is like the other sports would be wildly popular. Yeah. Thank Yeah. The college perspective or just the college towns. It's a great perspective. I never thought of. So thank you very much for sharing that. I really appreciate My it. Pleasure. Father quick five favorite family movie. Do you guys have one? Um, Boy, that's, you know, it's so it's a great question. We had this movie conversation all the time because there's no question like the movie hangover, um, which I, there are certain movies I just literally will laugh at when they're yeah. on. I'm not, 
a lot of people will say Shawshank Redemption comes on. I never change it. I'm not taking it off. Um, it, it, it would depend, honestly, Art, on who's watching it. Um, yes. you know, Hangover would work for, I know, if you consider my wife and I and the five boys we have together, um, you know, four of us may love Hangover. My wife would be like, it's funny, but it's not the greatest thing ever. Christmas Vacation is another one. Like, yeah. two of us will just demand Christmas Vacation. Three others would be like, it's not that funny. Um, <laughs> and, and, and thankfully, you know, my wife has, has, has sort of opened my my eyes to different movies and we're currently watching like lessons in chemistry on, uh, on, on one one of the, it's unbelievable. It's an incredible show. So she's opened my eyes to food and movies and that's, that's been a big help. Nice. All right. So favorite family song, or is there a band or genre of music you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to? Yeah, it's again, it evolves. Um, but I certainly think recently again, it it varies because my wife's not a huge country music fan, but my boys and I love, Kenny Chesney and Zach Brown and Eric Church. So uh, they probably led me to the country stuff more than I led them. And I'm grateful for it. You know, I've, I've been to a whole number of Chesney concerts. I think I took them to a Springsteen show once. Um, I'm not nearly as up to date musically with the current music as, as the kids are. I mean, I, I, I'm shocked when we go to weddings or we're in a car and a song comes on and they know the lyrics. And I, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you one word that's being said. They know the lyrics to every one of them. We were at Eduardo Perez's wife's birthday in Puerto Rico and Bad Bunny, of course, was the rage. Um, my wife loves to just listen to Bad Bunny. I said, do you, do you even understand the lyrics? Do you, do you know what he's saying? Because Eduardo and uh, his wife made it sound like some of them are not so nice. They're kind of naughty. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't sit there and translate them. But I love the beat. I love the sound. And uh, so I will have Bad Bunny. I'm like, I, I can get into that. But while I can recite all of the Chesney songs and Zach Brown songs and sing along or 1970s, remember Pillow Talk? Like that yeah. was a big deal for me. I used to listen to all that soft rock. I can sing all of those songs. I I can't give you 2023 20, or. 22 music very well gotcha uh describe the perfect family vacation where would it be <laughs> um again it depends who's going who's going if right? i took yeah. if i took my boys it'd be to pinehurst north carolina and we play 36 holes of golf every day and eat dinner and shut it down early and get up and do it again i but i've i've been really lucky with my wife to go to spain and italy and if i brought them along that would be cool too for instance, like we, we just had an unbelievable experience. Our, we were we did that Empire Classic. Um, I call those games. And all five boys were there for the games. We went out to dinner. We had a, a massive um, get together. And it's really hard because they're all over the place. And they all came. And those that are married brought their wives. Um, it was really special to be sitting there to see all five boys, two of whom, you know, are married. A couple others have girlfriends. Uh, it was that, that was, that was heartwarming. My wife, I, she just kept saying, I can't believe it worked. I can't believe they're all here. That, that part was really, really neat. And it wasn't the conversations. It was just the idea. You could take a snapshot and be like, Holy cow. Like we're, we're all, we're all here. We're all healthy. Um, we have a lot to be thankful for. No doubt. Yeah. It's like the, another piece of advice for new dads. Like the days are long, but the years are short. So you might be kind of 
having some tough times getting them to sleep at night, but you're going to, that's going to like go in a, in a snap. So don't take them for granted. Yeah. Don't take, and don't take, and, and look, don't take the good. Don't take the bad. Don't take the messy. Don't take the, don't take any of it for granted. Those, those, those hard conversations, those, those mistakes, those messy, you know, experiences will are the ones that ultimately, you know, hopefully make for a much better future. No doubt. So this is going to be, I'm not asking, and I don't want to get you in trouble. So it's not like tell me the best stadium with the best food, but besides popcorn, hot dogs, all that stuff, like you go, and obviously you're working, but if you're just enjoying a game, what's your go-to like meal or snack of choice at a baseball game? I know. I don't, I mean, I don't want to, I don't eat a lot of hot dogs outside of ballparks. Like I yeah. think like when you go to a ballpark, that's what you should be eating. <laughs> um, not, not nachos, you know, not some uh, pokey bowl. Like I, that's not, at least that's not why I'm going to a ballpark. I, I want a hot dog, and if I need a diet coke or a cold beer like that, that's what you do at a ballpark. Yeah, we've 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 all been learned that hot dogs, you know, on a daily basis, probably not the best idea. <laughs> but when you go to a game, and I don't mean every game I go to, but that's I want ballpark food. I yeah. want a hot dog. You know, I want a pretzel. I, I want popcorn. That's that's me. I'm not of the mind. I'm going to go seek out, uh, you know, some type of spicy. <laughs> You're not going chicken. for those craft stations with no, the, no. Know, the different crab type of legs. <laughs> no lobster salad. Thanks. No, that's I, I, that's good. I'll, I'll get that at the restaurant. Love it. And lastly, top three words you hope your sons would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be? Top three words. Um, loving. I mean, I, I hope that they recognize, regardless of of whatever the messaging has been, that at, in the end. He loves, you know, he loves me. He loves us. He, he, he loves us. Um, I found at least recently the recognition by them that to be where we've been for so long takes a lot of hard work. So I'd say hardworking. I, I'm grateful and appreciative of the idea that there is a recognition as they get older. Now, when they're young, they won't do it. But, you know, like I said, the stages of parenthood is, as you as you get older and they get older and they're doing or trying to make it, they realize like, golly, there's, there is hard work involved. There's, there's sacrifice. It's, it's not like you opened up an envelope and somebody said ESPN, you go there or you go to Fox sports or you go and uh, you know, run, be a Senator. There's, there, nobody hands you these things. There's not underneath the Christmas tree on December 25th or 24th, whenever you open them and say, open it up and say sportscaster. So uh, hardworking, loving, and and fun. I, I I think it's really important to to have fun and to show you're a human. And fun is a is a big word, and it involves you know it involves laughing, but it involves being able to have fun with them on their level. Meet them wherever they're at. Dance at weddings. Don't don't be the guy. I don't don't sit there. What's the point of a wedding if you're going to sit there? Get off your ass and go dance. And no one's going to remember what you did. It's like it's like being in one of those celebrity pro-am golf tournaments the idea that anybody is watching you like, get on get out of your headspace there are pro golfers they're there to see not you hit a 200 yard drive you know into the uh into the pond get over yourself they don't care they won't remember it it's it's don't take yourself so seriously love it great three words right there people make sure you follow follow carl on uh twitter at Carl, actually X now, I guess. Uh, Carl Ravitch, ESPN. In addition, check out ESPN for all the latest MLB news and updates. Again, it's been an honor to chat with you. I really respect your views on fatherhood 
And again, it, it means the world to me that you, you know, had the time to sit with me and just kind of talk about fatherhood, but I wish you and your family continued success. And as always keep up the great work, sir. Well, you too. It's a great subject you're talking about. I wish fathers and men had same relationships that women do. The depth of their relationships and ability to talk freely is really, really something I wish we did better. So this is a great forum, Art. Thanks. Thank you, sir. I want to say thank you to Sabre for sponsoring this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. They have fantastic products to keep you and your family safe. And if you're looking to get the perfect gift for everybody on your list, make sure you go to saberred.com slash holidays. They have a gift guide and it'll tell you the perfect gift for everybody on your holiday shopping list. And while you're on the internet, please go to theartoffatherhood.net, check out all the articles, the podcast, and please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps get the word out. And I'm trying to promote great fatherhood, great stories from all walks of life. And when you subscribe, rate, and review, it helps me out big time. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to theartoffatherhood.net.